0: First things first, thanks for sticking with us through our one-show hiatus, even though I'm convinced a bunch of you didn't know about it because nobody apparently listens to our outros, and where they, we talk about when we're coming back.
1: And they didn't come back.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so we probably lost some people. But anyway, uh, so every now and then we have to take a little break, and this one we had to take to sort of deal with some business stuff because we're trying to get our store set up, which I know I've been talking about it, I feel like, for eight months. <laughs> <laughs> I had to iron 5,000 shirts. Yeah. yeah, we're so close, though. It's uh, We just need to get the product photographed, and then we're going to be set, yeah, which the, Forrest the, is supposed to do. Don't look at me when you okay. Yeah. No, actually, I said I would do it. That'll be up soon. The other thing we had to do was get our bank accounts set up for all the, the money goo that's gobs not of rolling money. in. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but we have a, a a depository.
0: Yeah, we have an account. It has a um, hundred dollars in it, which I put in there
1: <laughs> <laughs> to get, to open it and get the toaster. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. So it's now that we need to ask you, our loyal listeners, for a little bit of help. This show is a passion project for us, which hopefully you can tell. We couldn't possibly enjoy doing it more than we do. Unless maybe we I had could a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if we had, if we yeah. had help, that would be nice. Yeah, sure. If maybe it paid some bills or well, yeah. And to and to that point, though, or even uh, if it just earned back what we spent on mics and gear, boy, that would be a great start, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. But it, the, the long and short of it is that potential sponsors want to know a little bit about our listeners. So, and exciting news, we already have a few sponsors lined up. So we're super excited about that. They actually came to us sort of out of the blue, which is great. But to get more potential advertisers, we need to ask you guys just a few questions. So for the first time ever, we're asking you to actually help us out by filling out a very short survey at our website. It is only six questions, okay? It's six very simple questions. It's no mistake that Forrest and I don't like surveys. Well, I think everyone has survey burnout. I know
1: I do. Because every time you buy something in the store or on the internet, they want to know how you felt about it. How it, was the packaging? You yes. Know, and time you call work. somewhere, I think yeah.
0: I called my bank the other day to ask them a question. One of the ones that has a, my mortgage. Yeah. And for th- five days now, I've been getting an email that, what did you think of the phone call? <laughs> it's like, you know what? If my money's still was, with yeah. you, the phone call
1: was over. <laughs> 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 do you need my approbation at every turn? Yeah. But this is the thing. They kind of do. So, I mean, that's that's the catch is that to gauge advertising and the amount that they're willing to hopefully sponsor us for, we need a little bit of feedback from you.
0: Yes. They want to know what kind of people you are. And whatever kind you are is fine. It doesn't matter. You don't have to exaggerate or lie about anything. They just want to know who you are, who our audience is, so that they can pair us up with the right kinds of sponsors. Yeah. And it's
1: not you know – they're not going to take your personal information and uh, be spamming you with it.
0: That's right. The survey does ask for your email address. It is not necessary to complete the survey. But the answers that come in without an email address associated with them carry a little less weight with potential advertisers. So it would be nice to have it, but you don't have to do it. But if you do, we're going to put your name in a hat. No if you do <laughs> well it'll be the hat that yeah. you might win yes yeah, that's, yeah I guess I, I kind of blew that yes yeah. exactly we're <laughs> going to give away a free Astonishing Legends hat and let me tell you what these are nice hats we spent some money on them when they get into the store I think they're actually going to be at least two or three hundred dollars a piece oh yeah and, and Scott's
1: <laughs> worn this one very little so it's yeah he, he got tired of it after a few weeks and then yeah. he's going we're going to give it away to a lucky listener
0: yes yeah, so but you
1: have to respond yes you do and, have and to again, respond and again it it's not very long at all yeah
0: yeah it'll only take a few seconds so if you go to our website at astonishinglegends.com. You know, our advertising representative has already told us, the name is too long. Everyone's <laughs> going to misspell it. So
1: Yeah, so now we have to change the hat that you might win. Yeah. <laughs> Just no I'm sorry.
0: I hope that our listeners can spell the word astonishing. It yeah. does have a lot of vowels in it. It would not fit in a Twitter handle, so we had to actually uh, cut a bunch of vowels out of our Twitter handle. But you can right. still search and find it. But anyway, I digress. If you do put your name in when you do the survey, we're going to compile a list, and then my son, who cannot read, is going to randomly <laughs> pick oh, nice. somebody else off the list yeah and we will send you a free hat you can choose your color actually because yeah. we have two we have black and gray and wow. uh, we'll have pictures that we can send you so
1: so it'll help if you uh, make your uh, your name out in letters that look like
0: minecraft That really keys into that yes an edge but and that's out of the first 250 respondents because that's kind of what we need is a minimum of 250 so please go to astonishinglegends.com and click on the button that says take the survey which hopefully our web guy has installed by now. <laughs> hopefully this is a, he's got now officially a week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So a quick cold open before we get to the meat of our show tonight about Amelia Earhart, who- Ooh, Back in the news. Yeah. Back in the news. And somebody that anyone who has listened to all of our episodes, which isn't necessarily everybody, will know that we actually did a two-part special on yeah. a while back. We even posited what we th- a theory- that we A hypothesis about what we think happened to her, based on all the available information. It was one of the lesser-known ones that we're siding with, but nevertheless, the Tiger Organization, and that's T I G H A R, which is their website, T I G H A R dot has mounted another expedition to the island of Ni'ihau, where they believe she wound up. You're getting very good at pronouncing that, by the way. But it ought to yeah. be by now. Okay. But um, <laughs> okay. we don't personally feel that they're going to find much, and uh, no spoilers. If no, you want yeah. if you want to know about that you can go back and listen to part 1 and part 2 of our show on Amelia Earhart however we have tremendous respect for Rick Gillespie, who runs Tiger and his operation, and the fact that they're out there looking and continuing to make these expeditions is admirable. Oh, yeah. All you know, adventurous souls we salute. That's right. Absolutely. Know. And one of the great things about the Tiger organization, even if you don't follow the hypothesis that they're aligned with, is that they're very transparent. Oh, and, and they're, they're, yeah. They document everything. They document everything. It's actually the greatest source of information about Amelia Earhart – no matter what you believe about what happened to her, and one of the beautiful things about their current expedition is they are doing daily updates on their expedition right now. So far, I do not believe they've had any significant finds. They are doing daily updates, and according to the daily updates that they've posted, I even looked at some pictures from today, which is amazing considering where they are. Yeah, They've covered a lot of area. There's been some bad weather, but the areas that they have searched, they have not come up with any significant data. As of yet. The, as of yet. They could the, be sitting on something. Who knows?
1: But you know, as as you were thinking about this, there are parallels to the story that we're going to cover tonight. Now, there's, uh, there's one other thing
0: that came up in the news about Amelia. Uh, I think some found footage. That's right. They have never before seen footage of her climbing into the plane and all around the plane. And the interesting thing about this footage is I believe it was in the possession of the family of her official photographer. Yes. I but so. he's in the shots. Oh. So they were like, they weren't sure who shot it. They think that his brother shot it. Mm hmm. Because it's it's moving footage. She's climbing on the wing in and yeah. out of the cockpit. And, it's, and it's Putnam the... is in it. Her husband, oh, G- that's right. GP Putnam is yeah, in it. Yeah. And so is Noonan, her navigator.
1: Fred Noonan.
0: Right. Fred yeah. Noonan.
1: And it's the very last footage of her.
0: Well, no. There's the takeoff footage and oh, Opera on the, the uh, that's oh, always yeah, yeah. – okay. That's a, Okay, so that's later. It's got to be. It was the. All right. She f- took off from there and never landed. <laughs>
1: <anyone>. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know there there could be some uh, Japanese uh, snapshots of it. Yeah, Who that's knows?
0: true. But w- at what point was this? taken during the voyage this was taken at the burbank airport which i think was actually the very first leg because the the first time that they flew they flew west to hawaii they were going to go around the world to the west as as george carlin would say (laughs) their blinker on yeah and uh they crashed in hawaii then had to relocate the plane and fix it that's right after the repairs in burbank yeah california repairs in burbank they decided that they were going to go east so if this footage was in burbank And some of the last footage before she took off, it would be before she started the trip, but not the very last footage of her, which is of the plane taking off in Papua New Guinea, which was their last departure point before they disappeared.
1: Yes, that's right. And I think that, yeah, her... uh there's shots of her forlorn on the ship with her plane, <laughs> in, in damaged, yes. coming back to
0: the United to the mainland. Yes, and it, only those of you that have children will know this, but it always reminds me of poor Horton the elephant on the ship going to be sold at the circus in New York. <laughs> very, oh, yeah, sad. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. Let's get on to tonight's show. <laughs> Welcome back to Astonishing Legends.
1: I'm Scott Philbrook. And I'm Forrest Burgess. What inducement
0: have you to leave the East and go to the West? To seek for that which was lost, which, by your instruction and our own industry, we hope to find. Join us tonight as we take a look at a 220-year-old mystery that is the most astonishing legend we've covered to date.
1: So before we get started tonight, we wanted to give a shout out to one of our loyal listeners, T-Dub, otherwise known as Norseman86 on Twitter. He was the one who gave us the idea for the Spring Hill Jack show, you know, which was in our story folder, but he made us bring it to the front. And, and thank you for, for suggesting that. And we want to say thank you for listening and keep the ideas coming. Oh, my God. You sound like Casey Kasem. <laughs> you wanna- yeah. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars, and I'd wish I'd written my will a little more clearly. <laughs> that's nice. That's, eh, nice. that's one of the few I can yeah, do. Yeah. Uh, that you looking... don't criticize me on.
0: No. Yeah. Uh, no. Hey, come on. Forrest <laughs> is looking for VO work if there's anybody out there. Yes, that's very narrow slot there, but there you go. All right. So tonight's show is part one of a multi-part special on Oak Island. We're calling it multi-part because— We don't even know how many parts <laughs> this is going to take. Because gonna... this is the biggest thing I think we've ever done. Maybe
1: – well, let me put it this way. When we did Amelia Earhart – and you know what? There are some parallels between her story. There are a lot. Things lost on an island, maybe. Yeah. We don't know. And tonight's show. But this took a lot of research and it felt like I was digging ditches.
0: Yeah, this is this has gone way beyond cursory research. In fact, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually – We calling... did some real research yeah. for this. Yeah. I, I'm calling this a temporary doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> Those, I know you hate these terms. No, no. Well, I only <laughs> – yes,
1: now I got to see them on Facebook. Thank you for writing back, folks, but please don't encourage them. You
0: <laughs> well, know? <laughs> the, the, you <laughs> know, the temporary doctorate, it's temporary because in a few weeks, neither one of us is going to remember any That's of <laughs> exactly
1: right, I which I remember nothing of. Yeah, it's, it just fills the cache of our memory banks and then it's gone because it's, it's just – especially for this one, there are so many things going on. Which are very conflicting. Even a lot of the information that we found, the dates aren't exactly right. Why don't we go ahead and tell them what it's about? Well, tonight's show is about the famed, possibly cursed, Oak Island money pit.
0: Okay, so a couple of questions. First of all, not the Oak Island where the sharks attacked the kids in North Carolina a few weeks ago. Oh, is that? Oh, yes, that's right. And, it's a different Oak Island. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and not Money Pit, the movie. No, but, you know, I wrote that
1: down as a no, because I know you love that movie. You love, love Tom Hanks. That's a funny movie. And uh, you, you've, you've loved Shelley Long. <laughs> <laughs> I particularly liked Alexander Gudinov in the movie. Oh, he was No, amazing. no, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a fun movie. But there are two things that I think about when people say The Money Pit. And it started off as one and ended up as another. And what I mean by that is that this is a 220-year story, as Scott mentioned at the top. From its point of discovery. Yes. Even longer if you look at when it was probably created. Oh, yeah. No, we're talking it could be 500 years old, maybe even a little older. And the point I'm making is that at the time in 1795 – and we're going to get to the timeline here in a second. But in 1795, when when it was first discovered, of course, people thought pirate treasure, a pit of money. There's money at the bottom of this thing. There's got to be. There's so much pirate activity. And then, as it turns out, over the years, it turns into people pouring their money yes, <laughs> into the they,
0: pit. They name it the money yeah. pit because they think money's in it.
1: Yeah. Well, but instead,
0: their no. money is the money. It's going a into black
1: it. hole of, of people just and, and, and we're going to get to all that and the the really exciting history, and you know we'll cover the, the some of the criticisms too about the story about people thinking that none of it actually even happened.
0: Yes, and lots of conflicting information has been published about this story over the years. And we just want to say that we've consulted a lot of different sources, and what we've done is cross-corroborated as much information as we can. And rather than go through and say, oh, you know what? We found this was different or that was different. That's a waste of time, and it's also not interesting. So we're going to give you what we think is the best educated answer of the details we found. Yes, although the the
1: exact dates might be wrong, even the spellings of, the, of the, one of the main characters varies a little. But what everybody seems to agree on is – Mostly what was found and who participated and the general timeline. So little things might vary here and there, but we're going to strive to tell you probably the most popular and common explanations and events for everything.
0: And we recognize that a legend this infamous is going to have a lot of folks that it's near and dear to. And much like the Amelia Earhart special that we did – We expect our conversation and conclusions will make some people happy and others upset. (laughs) Well, it's just one of many, and everybody's got their own favorite theory, which we'll get to towards the end. That's right. Favorite theory is a theme of this whole show. Yeah. Because in all the books we've read, everyone references favorite theories. Yes. So-and-so's favorite theory, this person's favorite theory, and at the end of it, however many parts it is, which hopefully – you know, we, We're going to keep it down to, to it two or three, three, maybe yes. four. But at that yeah. point, we're going to share our favorite theories like we did on Amelia Earhart. Yes. The last thing I want to say before we get going is you can't get through a 220-year-old story without a lot of dates and names. So – Don't get caught up in the who exactly and the when exactly of everything we're saying. We're only doing it to help you differentiate the events. All the information is available ad infinitum on the internet and in the books we've referenced, which are all provided in a bibliography at our website. It's our intention to point out the major players and the major discoveries because those are the interesting details. And with that, welcome to
1: Oak Island, Nova Scotia, and the story of the Money Pit.
0: All right, so 220 years ago in Nova Scotia, which is on the northeast coast of North America, for those of you that don't know, and, and, and I know that sounds like silly. Everyone, oh, I know where that is. And I'm like, <laughs> there was a long time when I was a kid when I thought it was on the west coast of Canada. Really? Yeah, well, you're from yeah. the south, yeah. so it's all
1: mixed up. Yeah. For the folks that live in the United States and the Americas, it's – East and slightly north of Maine. Right. So it's, it's actually not too far north, but they get bad weather, which will play into this. But the name Nova Scotia, you know what it means? No, I don't actually. New Scotland. Oh, what, Scotland i mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna will, guess that. Well, I
0: know. <laughs> it's an easy guess. It's Scotia. that my name is Scott.
1: Yes. Well, uh, all boy, the... you really should have. <laughs> However, uh, Scotland will play an important role later on down the line, as we'll find out. But it's... Look, all these lands now have English names. Most of them, you know, New York. If there's a York, England. Well, yes. when they came out here, it's the New York. Yes, yeah. the New York. There's yeah. lots of new things <laughs> in New of, England, <laughs> and New and New England exactly. Yes. But Oak Island is it's about 140 acres island in, in Lunenburg County on the South Shore. On the south shore of Nova Scotia, Canada.
0: I have a south shore.
1: Right? <laughs> let's all see it. Let's, <laughs> that'll be on the website as well. It was originally called uh, Gloucester Isle, right?
0: Uh, I believe so, yes. And uh, it's, it's an uh, – But the no Isle. one – apparently none of the locals ever referred to – they called it Oak Island. Because it had... It had oaks red, on it. Red oaks on yeah. it. Now, oh, you know what? After all my research, yeah. are those native to that island? They are not. They're not native to the area. They are, they are native to New England and Nova Scotia yes. in general. But in this particular area, they do not exist anywhere but on the island, which right. is why the locals called it Oak Island.
1: The first... Strange clue that the, something
0: was off. Yes. Get out your notepads yeah, unless you you're go. driving.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then look at your phone directly looking down on, on your lap. Yes. Just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> the island is one of about 360 small islands. And the whole area is kind of – it's called Mahone Bay, yes. which in itself – this is – man, this was rife with pirate lore. Yeah, there which was a ton hugely of figures into the story.
0: Mahone is named for some kind of low-slung pirate. Yeah, this, ship, is, this is what I, I, I read. It's it's a uh, it's taken from
1: a French word, which is based on a Turkish word for pirate ships that cruise the Mediterranean. So it's got that's got a lot of history and a little bit of pirate lore. But it's a low slung ship that moved fast through the waters, which is what a pirate wants to kind of sneak up on another ship. A sports car. There you go. Yeah. So that's the name of that. And uh, between the island and coast is the Bay of Fundy. Do you have a lot of fun dew? The de- <laughs> they're, they're delicious, <laughs> it's though. A great with place a, to go. With a Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> but it's located, the island is actually located uh, about 660 feet from the shore. And now. Not that far, uh, that's swimmable. Well, some guy swam it, as we'll uh, find we'll out later. later yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of things that are coming ex- later, exactly. by the way. And you're going
0: to get tired of us saying it. We're going to get a to it. hundred twenty-year story, and so
1: yeah, it's we we got to give you the background first yeah. because it puts it all in perspective, really. And uh, so it never used to be connected, but in 1965, a causeway was built, so you can actually drive to the island now.
0: Yeah, but they might not let you on. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you got
1: to ask permission, and, and and again, you know what we we're going to say. A lot of folks know about this story. But they don't know about it. Uh, And what I mean is that there are a lot of folks that think they know about this story. And I'm sure that they don't know all the facts uh, because I thought I knew a lot about this story. Well, there's a TV show now. There is. There's a a very uh, popular uh, History Channel show called The Curse of Oak Island. And that's currently – I think they just wrapped up season two, I think maybe back in September. And they're getting ready to premiere season three. So the folks know where it is now. And uh, east of Highway 3. So if you're driving up that area, look to the right. Oh, and uh, Chester is kind of the next biggest town to the north, I think. So it's kind of considered nearby Chester.
0: All right. So what happened is in 1795, there was a young boy. Whose age varies from... Yeah, I've heard 16. I've heard 18. We heard 13. I've heard, I've heard into
1: his early 20s. So again...
0: Whatever this, age he was.
1: Now, re, you got
0: to remember, this is 1795, not too long after the Revolutionary War. That's right. And you know what? They weren't taking any census records in Canada till 1867. Wow. Good factoid. Yeah. yeah so nice. I... Well, I tried. I went... You know, I yeah. have a membership to Ancestry.com. Never so whenever again. we get into one of these stories... It's like the gold it, membership. You're looking yeah. up names and... Yeah. yeah i looking up. Very I'm diving down on people and... Wait, that phrase didn't work out. (laughs) What I'm saying is I'm I'm drilling – no. Anyway, what I'm saying is uh, there's no records prior to 1867 in Canada. (laughs) But – so there's a young man. His name is Daniel McInnes. And McInnes... Even, even his even his name, the spelling of his
1: last name, I've seen several different a couple well, of different From my ones.
0: understanding, the family changed it. It was a conscious oh, decision okay. to change it from McInnes to McInnes Yeah, later. Yeah, But that's just from one of the sources that we yeah. have.
1: Irish ancestry. Yes, I yeah.
0: right. So he decides that he's going to go out to Oak Island. We're just now getting around this. We're like 35 <laughs> minutes in. But he, he lives in the area, yeah. and he's rowing out to Oak Island for a variety of published reasons. <laughs> one is that he yeah. wanted to go hunting... Right. One was that he was bored, you know, it was wanderlust. The story that I love the most is the one that kind of uh, tunes into the
1: paranormal aspect of this whole tale. And there's a huge, because it's a huge one from then to the present day even. And that is, is that he was going to investigate three strange green lights he'd seen floating through the trees. Okay, the so island. he
0: you, you actually learned that he saw the lights himself.
1: Yes. And you know what? That had been going on not just with him, but for quite a while. Because in 1720, a couple of fishermen went out to check on strange lights that they had seen in the woods on the island, and they never returned.
0: Right, that's local lore, right? Yes. That was 1720. That's
1: 1720. So, But it, what it goes to show is that people on the 70- mainland were a little afraid of this place. Yeah, They didn't, you know, they didn't, yeah, so they it's didn't go a, it's exploring. not a lot of people
0: hanging out on No, the they didn't go
1: exploring. They, and yeah. he was, you know, he's pretty brave to go check this out himself. He
0: went to go look. And that's when he kind of made a strange discovery. Right. So he gets onto the island, and he finds this clearing, and in the clearing... There there's varying descriptions of this initial discovery but in the yeah. clearing there's an oak tree a red oak which the island is covered in at this point. Yeah. And there were yes there were, it seemed to be a man-made clearing of the trees. Yes, there was a, there was an area in the middle which is it's not too unlike a place uh, a famous ghost story in North Carolina actually is called the Devil's Tramping Ground. It's an oh. area where nothing will grow and yeah uh, I'm sure eventually we'll cover that it's part of my family history yeah. actually. It's n- not that we Or the devil or or tramp (laughs) there. But anyway, I digress. So there was a clearing. There was the oak tree. And he noticed that the oak tree, according to several different versions of the story – had It had a branch that was about 16 feet off the ground. Yeah, that, that, was, and, sawed that was sawed off or broken off. That was sawed off on yeah. the end. Right. Yes, and some people say there was a block and tackle hanging from it. Some people say – an, an old-aged block and tackle, which yeah. for those of you that don't know, is just like – it's a. you would know it if you saw it because you've seen it in a million movies and TV shows. It's like a – uh, it's a, a pulley, basically. Yeah, it's a pulley yeah. system, like maybe two pulleys in a piece of wood or whatever. Right. But this was an old rotting block and tackle, maybe, or maybe it was nothing. It was just yeah. a sawed-off branch. you, you got to realize that you're hearing how they know about any of this is because of the
1: memory of our first discoverer, Daniel McGinnis, him telling people years later. right. That's and right. and actually at the, around the, around the time.
0: Yes, this is all pre-internet.
1: Yeah, but but it's <laughs> but it's it's him telling the tale. So, you know, the telephone game, it's going to get changed over yes. and over again. But one thing I wanted to point out, if you've done any treasure hunting, this is one thing they tell you to look for is that on the underside of branches, there might be a nail because what folks used to do to mark where they buried their treasure in the backyard. And, and in the South, during the Civil War, what a lot of folks did is bury their valuables. As the North was bearing down on them, they would either bury them in the backyard. And, you know, folks didn't really trust banks back then. So they would bury a jar of uh, double-eagle coins in the, in the 20s and 30s or the family treasures. And to find them again, what they would do is n- a pound a nail on the underside of a large branch in, in a big tree in the backyard or nearby. And what they would do to go find it is that they would hang a string with a rock or a weight or a plumb bob, and that's where you would dig. And what they tell you now is that, you know, you're uh, – a hundred years later, you dig a little – a couple it's of moved. feet. You, yeah, because it's the tree has grown. grown. Yes, exactly. So you course. always look for a few feet out from there. But that's what struck me is that it's, it's kind of that, that lore, the, the block and tackle – hanging from the tree or not. But yes. what he also discovered was that there was a 13-foot-about uh, depression, depression, circular depression in the, in the ground.
0: Right, and it was too much for him to handle on his own. So he decided that what he was going to do was go back and get a couple of his closest friends and come back the next day and explore it further. So he rose back to the mainland and Daniel McInnes now comes back out the next day with his friends John Smith and Anthony Vaughn. They go out there. These two boys apparently, these, these are all young guys, They help him, they put him on their shoulders or whatever, help him climb up to examine the branch, which is 16 feet off the ground. So now he's up looking out, he's crawling out on the branch, which by some accounts there is no block and tackle. You know, maybe the block and tackle is apocryphal. We can, we'll get to that later. But the bottom line is that he climbs out on the branch and he sees scoring or damage from where something was definitely used to get a mechanical advantage to get something into the pit underneath. At this point, they're freaking out. And The reason they're freaking out is because this place, this area, everything is replete with pirate lore.
1: Oh, this was the golden age of piracy, which is roughly kind of defined in the area between 1690 and 1730. According to the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic, you know, the golden age of piracy. And there was a lot of activity, especially because you're not too far north of Boston, which
0: was a major port, and New York. And rumor had it that Captain Kidd, William Kidd, had a stash somewhere in the area. Yeah, now he's the biggest, I
1: got to say, out of all the theories initially, and, and to this day, he's probably the biggest conspiracy bullet point on here. Yeah. That it was part of his ill-begotten booty. Yes, and we're I'm gonna I'm really gonna, gonna try not yeah, to do any jokes. pirate Let's no art it's all it's <laughs> over come on there's so much and no booty jokes. yeah if my no. son was my six year old son was here <laughs>
0: he would be rolling on the ground laughing yeah so but the bottom line is they were like okay this is pirate treasure that was the first thing they thought pirate treasure so these three guys they're like okay we're gonna dig this up we're gonna be rich yeah this easy easy marker there's a couple of days out here also you know?
1: reportedly there were strange markings on the tree so like art you got all the elements of a great buried treasure story without the map. There's a map later. <laughs> yeah, we're not <laughs> okay. even going to get to that. Yeah, we're getting yeah. down to it later. Yeah. But, you know, come on. It's it's like easy digging. We'll, we'll, be, we'll dig up this chest.
0: We'll be home for dinner. Right. So they start digging. They get down two feet and they find flagstones. Flagstones laid in this 13-foot diameter circle. Which are basically just flat uh, river stones, right? Yes. Which I think, they, they, you know, the closest place would be the Gold River. It was later determined that they probably came from the Gold River two yeah, miles away. right. Right. So they remove the flag. Now, by the way, there's another parallel with the flagstone. Yeah. The 13-foot diameter circle of flagstones bears a very close resemblance to something that in religious history is iconic, and it's called a threshing floor.
1: Which is used to separate the wheat from the chaff. Exactly. you, you got you to grind it up to get that, those wheat kernels out. There's different uh, ways to do that depending on the culture, but ancient cultures used to have a layer of stones, and, and they would use animals and uh, human labor to kind of separate that out to get, to get to the grain.
0: As might be expected with anything that generates food for you, it's, it's a worshipful place. And the symbolism of... A threshing floor it comes up a lot, not only in a biblical sense, but also with the Masons. Well, which took their cues and their symbology and
1: their, their sacred clues and keys from the Bible, as well as sacred geometry.
0: All of this plays a role. All right. So they clear out the flagstones. They start digging down. They're digging. These three guys are digging. It's about two feet of loose soil till they get to the flagstones. Right. And then underneath that, they keep going. And they dig and dig and dig. And then they get down about 10 feet from where the flagstones were and they encounter a hard surface. So they, they're they pulling the dirt away. And it's a, it's a finely ordered collection of oak logs. Yes. Rotting oak timbers. Now,
1: I just want to say, I don't know if you've ever done any digging, but 10 feet of dirt...
0: That, that's, that's a lot of dirt. Oh
1: yeah, I I don't know. You know, I've uh, worked on uh, you know digging lines for uh, septic tanks. You know, just with the family, and it's a lot of hard work. It is a lot. So so that's about a seven-foot-wide shaft now that they're into, and 10 feet down, and they come to these rotting timbers, which seem to be – the ends of them seem to be embedded in the clay walls of the
0: shaft. That's right. It's not just wood that fell in there. It's wood that's embedded in the side. And then on top of that, one of the things they're noticing in the side walls of the shaft that they're digging in is pick marks. From previous diggers, that's right. So it it seemed like this was a pit that had been dug before and been refilled. Yeah, and that's what the depression was—the ground,
1: the loose earth, settling a bit, which causing the depression on the top. Which you know, which he noticed. So
0: they remove. The platforms. They remove the oak. They're getting it out. Again, imagine this. Imagine gorgeous. the excitement. There's yeah. something to actually – you know, 10 feet of dirt. I mean you're this is over your head yeah. at this point. These guys are thinking they're going to be set for life. They've won the lottery. This is it. This is Captain Kidd's treasure. This is somebody's treasure. We're going down again. Yeah. So they dig. They dig some more. They dig another 10 feet. Same thing. Another platform. And it's like, okay – Great. All
1: right. <laughs> All we're right. going to remove Little, this one. Yes. Salute yes, so to these guys. Now that, Because, you know, it's it's well hid. So, it, it, again, what it is, and you'll see this theme being repeated over and over, yes. is that the harder it is, oh, boy, the bigger the treasure this must be. It's just in within our grasp.
0: If we just keep going, yes. we're going to get there. So they keep digging. Right. They remove the second platform. They dig down. They dig down. And they just get they get down to about 30 feet, and they encounter – I and this isn't clear. This is actually – Listed a couple of different ways, and maybe you know better specifics on this for us. But, it, like, they either encounter the third platform or they stop just shy of it. But well, either they, way, yeah. it becomes a stopping point. For They're like, this is beyond what we can do. It's Well, you know, think again. It's, they got to get home. <laughs> you know, it's like
1: right. they're 30 feet down, that means – in you a know, hole on an island that's supposed to be haunted. No, somebody. yeah <laughs> somebody is having to lift the dirt. You you can't even throw the dirt up at that point, and it's hard to throw the logs up. Yeah, and uh, you know, just so hard. It's I, a three story building. No, you know, what reminds me of is that uh, you ever seen the movie Cool Hand Luke? And are you kidding uh, me? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and again, Strother Martin, Captain, he's as punishment to Paul Newman, he has him dig this ditch, and that's then he right. and then he throws his newspaper in. And then he has him refill the, you know, fill it in. And then he wants his newspaper bag again because it's so hard and tiring just doing that.
0: Right. So the long and short of it is they realize they've gone as far as they can go with the knowledge and expertise and ability that they have. And by the expertise, I mean almost none. (laughs) (laughs) All due respect. Yeah. No,
1: no. They're just digging by hand. Yeah, they're a couple of kids. they found it
0: like, oh, we found a treasure. So at this point at 30 feet, it's like, it's a three-story building.
1: Yeah. That's hard to get out of, even. So uh, I'm sure they had a ladder. But they give up. at that point, and then they
0: go to seek help. We don't know exactly when they found the pit, but it's going to be prior to June 26, 1795, when John Smith, one of the three boys, actually bought the land that the pit that they dug was on. So now they're in possession of the land that this hole is on, that they've gone 30 feet down on. And so their next plan, you know, I can only imagine, they're sitting around, they're like, We got to get help. We're going to get we're going to get people out here to help us. So the next thing they do, they're going around talking to everybody who is going to we found this thing on Ocon. Do you think people came?
1: I don't think people were very interested at that point. And even though
0: there are pirate treasure stories circulating in the area at the time. People were afraid of this island. The two guys that went out there in 1720 and disappeared, that story was a big story. Everyone knew that story. Well, remember, the island is... People are seeing lights out there.
1: The island is only 650 feet away. Yes. Okay, it's not like they went out to sea and never returned. This was a short trip.
0: And they never came back. Locals are wary of the island. That's the bottom yes. line. And in terms of looking for lost treasure, even though it's been 60 or 70 years since the last pirate was probably in the area, it's still a little scary. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, I don't know It's not for me. You well, know? you got to believe
1: <laughs> people were superstitious then and now, but then especially because a lot of pirate treasure stories had curses on them. That's right. You dare not be looking for me treasure. No, Sorry, well, I'm not going to do that yeah, much, no, but, please, but I, no I, I wanted to get voices. a little bit in there. Thank you. I have you. told him
0: a million times. <laughs> hey, you say cursory. I can do a... Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Rush, yeah. Yeah, so the long and short of it is seven full years passed before they could talk anyone to giving them any help. And yeah, a good in, long while. Yeah, uh, exactly. In 1802, they managed to attract the attention of Mr. Simeon Linz from Onslow or Truro. True. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was from Truro, Truro yes. Yeah. And he put together... The first company, what I like to call company number one, that was going to invest in finding out what was at the bottom of this pit. Now, the Onslow Company consisted of 30 businessmen. This was a big thing. This was a going concern. And, and it, was, it was 30 businessmen, and it was also the three boys from 1795. Well, you know uh, – Simi- Who are all now in their 20s, by the way.
1: Yes, yes. at least. Well, yeah. yeah. Simeon Linz was related to Anthony Vaughn's father. So they think that he was maybe vis- – you know he had some business in the area. He was visiting the family, and then he hears about this tale – Yes, he hears the story and he's like, "Oh, I, I got to get now I can afford to do this." I yeah, can, well, you know, plus you,
0: I have powerful friends. Yeah,
1: he's yeah. wealthy yes. and sophisticated, and he has means and he has good connections. So he thinks, like, "Well, here we go. Now we're going to take this up a notch."
0: Right. So the Onslow Company is formed, the first real syndicate that attacks the island, that attacks the money pit, for lack of a better word. And the boys had given up. So after seven years, they had actually filled the pit back in, and it also caved in a little bit. From where they had done their digging and sort of given up. Yeah.
1: You got to remember there's a lot of erosion, which will play a factor. Bad weather in, in the winters in Nova Scotia.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's it's not fooling around. So the Onslow Company decides they're going to dig down and they start digging down into the pit. They get down to the 30 feet that the boys got to and they find an oak platform. They remove it. They go down another 30 feet, and basically what's happening is every 10 feet, they're finding the oak platforms. And along the way, they also come across evidence of charcoal at 40 feet. Now, the interesting thing about this is is that there was information out there in the 1600s, not to get too far into the timetable of when we think this was created, that if you built a fire and you had a chimney that went up 20 or 30 feet, and you had charcoal in the chimney, and you were burning, you could suck fresh air down into a mine shaft. And then the the hot air would go up through the chimney back out of the shaft, and this was a way that diggers could keep digging and breathe yes. fresh air. It's pulling fresh air down, yes, and that was a com-
1: that became a common practice. Uh, yeah, again, for, but because- this only
0: works. For however tall your chimney is, because you've got to get the smoke <laughs> you out. you got to get yeah, – yeah, you can be breathing that. Yeah.
1: But the idea is that the
0: fire needs oxygen. It's pulling fresh air down. Right. Exactly. So they get past that. They go another 10 feet. They find another platform. And at this point, they find some sort of putty substance. So it's like a ship's putty or a caulking putty. It's kind of yeah. putty that is definitely man-made. And it's a hydraulic seal, for lack of a better thing, for if you're in a boat and you don't want the boat to sink or whatever other reasons you have that you create this putty to seal, to keep water from penetrating a layer of something.
1: And I believe they've been finding a little bit of that between the logs as they've been going down. That's one account that I'd heard because it plays an important role, as you'll find later, about
0: the engineering genius of this shaft. That's right. So now they're getting deeper and deeper. Everyone's like, oh, we're getting close. We're going to be rich. And like and so the next thing they find... <laughs> it's just one more thing. Yeah, yeah. And so the next thing they find is coconut fibers. Yes. And the interesting thing about this is they're 1,500 miles from the closest coconut tree. Yes, 1,500
1: miles north from the nearest source, which would be the Caribbean. That's right. And then there's additional sources in South America. Yes. Yeah, some of the Spanish uh, ships they think were using... Coconut fibers as dunnage and the, which is packing, right? Yeah, it's the- packing
0: material. Basically, dunnage is it's it's the it's the packing peanut of the time period. That you would put this coconut fiber in the vessel. There was a lot of reasons to do it. One was that it was it floated. It never corroded. If you were if the ship was uh, particularly heavily laden with treasure or something heavy, it helped keep it buoyant. It wouldn't decay in salt water. And in fact, one of the great things about the coconut fiber is apparently if you could soak it for like up to 10 months to a year in salt water, Mm -hmm. you could then make a rope out of it called – I don't know if I'm saying this right. Core? Quire? C-O-I-R. Yes. I don't know how to say it. We've gotten in trouble in the past with our critics for (laughs) focusing on the pronunciation too much. So I'm just just going to say the word is C-O-I-R. You say it however you want. But the, there's a lot of reasons that coconut fiber might have made its way there, but it certainly did not make its way there naturally. Which and some, some have it's- proposed. That's one of the theories. Is that all? Oh, it drifted there. Yes. Yeah. Well, on the Gulf Stream. Look, the the biggest criticism
1: about all this is that this is all natural. Yes. That they're finding like this is a natural sinkhole. Yes. All this debris that they're finding uh, has been pulled in there from glacial till and whatnot, and it's just what they're fi- – they're misinterpreting what they're finding. And the reason that's, we – Yes, that's the a, a bunker's
0: position on yes. this. And by the way, we're open to skepticism. We we are skeptical ourselves about things. So we're not saying that that's a bad attitude to have. No, we try to be rational though, because yes. it, that, meaning that it has to make sense to us. Yes, Okay. And coconut drifting not only fifteen hundred miles north, but then forty feet down into a pit <laughs> underneath, well, you know, prepared oak platforms. We're not buying that. Yeah. We're not we're not buying that.
1: Because here's the thing, what they're finding is evidence of men working.
0: That's right. Yeah. Man the, the pit is man made. Yes. And that the coconut fibers have been brought there for a reason. All right. So they keep going down platforms every 10 feet, all the way down to 90 feet. What do they find at 90 feet? That's a nine-story building. Yeah,
1: that is... Yeah, yeah, think about it. Well, this is... Look, it's it's in the summer, but it's cold and dark down there. It, you have to crawl down a ladder. It's hard to get to, first of all. Yes. And it's hard to even haul the dirt back up by bucket and rope. And... But they find the most intriguing things so far. And this is in addition to things that they found, again, recamping, at 30 feet, putty is encountered per, probably for sealing air and water... At 50 feet, beach stones are encountered with strange markings on them. That's one story. At 60 feet, uh, they start finding all the coconut fiber. But at 90 feet, again, the most intriguing clue so far a large stone slab weighing, this is some of the, the reports, weighing between 175 and 500 pounds. This thing is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, well, I mean, well, you know what? It's, I'm sorry. It's, it's not huge. <laughs> it's heavy. But it's it's uh it's about twenty-four to thirty-six inches by a foot to a foot and a half wide and about ten about ten inches. About 10 inches oh, yeah, 10, 10, inches, ten to six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is this is the thing. It's a huge stone placed down there. Okay, here's here's another clue. Well, they don't know what it is, but they haul it up and on the bottom side of it, not the top, not what they first came face to face down. Yes. And this is the reason I was thinking, like, if you're going to whoever did this had to be thinking that people are going to be digging down. Yeah. And what they found on it, on the underside of it... The the
0: side that was facing down. The
1: side that was facing down on the on the platform were some strange cryptic markings, like a secret code.
0: Yeah. I so mean, it, we're talking decoder rings to Commander Cody here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No. And here's the thing. Some of
1: these folks are Masons that are now involved with this. They're used to cryptic sacred symbols. And these guys are baffled. They don't know what it means. But it's got to be important. Come well, on, this thing—they've ever seen. This thing is ninety feet down. This yes. took a lot of effort. Yes, and you got to realize digging the tunnel in the first place is very dangerous to the original diggers. I mean, that far down. So if this is a practical joke, as, as somebody had mentioned before, this is going a long ways for a joke. Yeah. So obviously something is down here,
0: and this could be the key to it. Right. The thing about the inscription on the stone is. We don't really know what it was. And the stone itself is a whole separate story. The stone, first of all, it no longer exists, it's disappeared, it vanished. And for a while, it was. They brought it up from the pit. There was an inscription on it. There's never been a rubbing taken of the inscription. It was written down. It was copied. Yes, it was copied down. These symbols they're not very complicated. And as
1: you'll see on the website, it's triangles. It's a, a set of four dots. It's a cross. It's you know the percent sign. It looks like <laughs> what it looks like, it looks yeah. like somebody's <laughs> password from a long uh, from a long time ago. <laughs> but it's very uh, but it's
0: very you know look. This has piqued their interest. Yeah, it has. And it's and they had they've had some people try to decipher it. And one of the guys who deciphered it decided that it said 40 feet below two million pounds are buried. Right. And there's some debate as to who
1: actually deciphered it. But and one is like a professor of languages, uh, James Leachie, I guess, who decoded the tablets inscription and he employed a simple technique called a substitution code or substitution cipher, where you
0: take a, one of the yeah. This the is the most basic. Yeah, code. it's just this one is of sim- decoder ring code. Yes,
1: it's one symbol simplistic. stands for a letter.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's too simplistic. And at one point, IBM has a cryptographic department. That analyzed it, and they concluded that it was actually uh, most likely a hoax or a fraud. So this is the this is the oh, thing to say. Yes, this yeah. is the most important thing to say about this. And and it was eventually translated to a different translation, which we'll get to later when we we get in more in depth, literally and figuratively, on the pit. But the initial translation is of forty feet below, two million pounds are buried. That is considered to be a, a translation of a hoax inscription. The point of this not being that what was on the stone was a hoax, but that what was copied from the stone was either a hoax or inaccurate. Because after the stone was brought up, John Smith eventually actually had it installed into the fireplace <laughs> yeah, which of believe. his home on yeah. Oak Island. On the backing. Yeah. And while it was in the home – I read in one place that hundreds of people saw it and another place I read that thousands saw it. Yeah. Came to the house, looked at it in his house, and, and, and at some point it got published in a book. And at that point, I don't know why, after all these people had already seen it in his house, he got freaked out about the fact that it was in a book and he built like a wooden thing over it so you couldn't see it anymore. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So he got a little wigged out. But well, eventually- The important thing, Scott, to me is that people saw it because, again, yes. the
1: debunkers will say- It never even existed. That's right. That was part of the lore.
0: No one saw it. It disappeared. Where is it now? No. You know. Many people saw this stone. They saw the inscription on it. It was in John Smith's house built into his fireplace for quite some time. And eventually it was removed much later in the game when one of the many syndicates that were trying to raise money to investigate this pit and the island itself, they took it and used it to try to attract shareholders. They yeah. took it to Halifax. I think in about 19 put it in a window or yeah,
1: in about 1919, it, it went into the window or or they said it's, it was holding the door open at a bookbinders. Yes, and the bookbindery was
0: owned, I think, by one of the uh, interests in the. It was the treasurer, actually. Oh, that's right. Of one yeah. of the later companies. Yeah. and you know we can. There's a whole other story with the stone, but the but the long and short of it is, a lot of people saw it. And now, even though now it's gone, the real question is whether or not the inscription that was copied from it or the inscription that was claimed to be on it was the original inscription. Why is the original inscription lost to time? I don't know. Was it lost to time because they were afraid to share that information? That's kind of what I think. I think they were afraid to share it. I think it was too specific or that they wanted to protect that information to keep their control over – the process of excavating the pit, but for whatever reason, the stone is gone forever, and whatever it originally said, it's not likely that it's what has been published and what you'll see on our website, I don't personally feel that that's what the stone probably originally said. there's no way to know though because it's gone so anyway they they pull the stone out was the stone a fraud? no was the known version of what the inscription on the stone was a fraud? That's entirely possible. I don't know if it was so much of
1: a fraud. It just may have been interpreted incorrectly. Right. Okay. I, that's what I'm going with.
0: Okay. I I think that I I disagree with you here. I think no. that I think that whatever the text is that we see now, I don't think that's what it said. I think that whatever it said the people that were excavating the pit with all due respect to them lacked the wherewithal to gather the minds they needed to decipher what it said. And I think they disregarded it as useless information because it was so far outside the realm of something they could deal with. I think that's one of the things they did. Oh, well, I I don't disagree with you that much there because I think a lot of the information that will be
1: found from here on out will be indecipherable by the parties involved. So you're saying, your thinking is that there was an inscription on it.
0: Yes. I believe there was an inscription on it and I believe one of two things happened. I believe either the original inscription has been secreted away and protected to maintain control over the excavation and make sure that the people that are doing it have the best chance of achieving their goal or – the people that discovered it, it was so far beyond their resources to deal with from a, either a scholarly standpoint or whatever, because we're talking about you know the early 1800s yeah. here. It's not now. It's not the internet. Now you can just pick up the phone and call a cryptographer and <laughs> you can call Indiana Jones. <laughs> sure, you know? sure. It's not like that now. Maybe it was just like, <laughs> keep digging. Yeah. You know, that's, that would be the... And I, so you know it, what? I'll buy not, that. It, it's yeah. importance is is like, this means nothing. It doesn't matter what this may as well be like you know, came down from a spaceship. Right. I'll
1: buy into that because the thing is here is that there's been bungling throughout this entire story. And it's kind of maddening because it's, at certain points,
0: these clues could have been unearthed properly, I believe. We're dealing with a lot of personalities and we're dealing... You know what? I play chess a lot. I'm not very good. I'm not saying I'm very good. But I, I play with friends who... Actually, they're all better than me. The the one guy I play most of I'm sure of the they time, are. Yes. He beats me uh, <laughs> probably four out of five sure. times. But... When you make a bad move in chess, it's called a blunder. Uh-huh. And this story is replete with blunders. Yeah. It's like – and by the way, I make them all the time. It's nothing like having a few drinks and then laying down to go to sleep and instead of reading the news on your iPhone, you make a chess what? move. Let me tell you what. <laughs> you bought um, an AMC yeah. pacer with
1: denim interior, yeah, it, which it, almost uh, happened. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, and that the characters may not be the ones that were actually on the stone. It may not be the correct interpretation. That's a great uh, – what was interpreted that – whoa, what, what's more promising than that? Forty feet more to go, two million
0: pounds are buried. So again, each little clue eggs these people on to keep going and keep going. Well, and by the way, that's part of and, – and the people who debunk or the cynics or the skeptical inquirers who are involved, one of the things they'll tell you is that the treasure – Whatever it is, is always just out of reach. Yeah. You're just about to get it when it sinks down a little bit further, right. or whatever happens. And that goes back to the lore of pirate treasure. Where supposedly you're not supposed to talk while you're digging up pirate treasure. Oh yeah, you don't speak. If you speak, it sinks further into the earth. There's all kinds of things about this, and this lore is all built into this story. However, taking all that aside, this pit is physical. The oak platforms were physical. The ship's putty was physical. The coconut, uh, the coconut fibers were physical. And, and the stone, it, it's a little bit questionable, but whether it was there or not, the pit was there and the platforms were there. The stone is not around now. Hundreds of people saw it, if not thousands. All those people are dead at this point. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's a little bit questionable. But, like, but let's get back to the next point. After they lifted the stone out, they're like, you know what? This stone, this is it. Whatever the stone says, who cares what it says? It's got to be right under here. Oh, what a it's great, yes. right so yeah. So they take this pole. They drill a hole. They probe down. I, and, and I guess they
1: were doing this at the end of every day yes. to kind of just check, you know, What's give them a little hope. Yes, What's give them a little hope. System? Is there anything? Are we a foot from it? Because, look, if it's, if it's a foot away from us, right. and even if it's getting dark, we're going to spend another hour trying to get this out right now.
0: Right. So they put the pole down. What do they find? They hit something hard, right? Yeah, the first time that it's
1: not at a 10-foot interval. It's at the 98-foot level. And they strike another wood platform, and so they're excited. Like, here we go. You this know what? Is it. T- Let's go have a well-earned dinner it's tomorrow late. morning. It's very late. It's getting dark. We can't see. But tomorrow morning, man, we're going to solve this.
0: You know what? Though the thing they noticed right before they left was that the soil was getting a little moist. Yes, water is starting to seep in through the clay now. Yeah. So, they, but they were like, oh, we're going to come back in the morning. We're going to dig down a little bit more, maybe remove one more platform, and then we're going to be gazillionaires,
1: <laughs> right? Yes.
0: Oh, boy, I wouldn't sleep a, a wink that night no they go home they go to sleep wherever they're going they come back the next day they're all gung-ho they look down in the pit it's filled with water to 65 feet just 30 yes. 33 or 30 or 33 feet, 33 below, feet below the surface. ground level yeah oh it's, boy it's practically a lost cause so they, they look down in the water like uh, we gotta bail this out yeah so they get some buckets they start bailing yeah right night and day night and day how does that go
1: ineffective. no, Or as the military says,
0: no effect. No effect. Yeah.
1: And Colonel Archibald was in charge of the dig. So he's, you know, this guy's a colonel. Yes. But he immediately orders like, okay, get the water out of there. Yeah. And I, I think these are baling barrels and they're large. Yes. You know, so there's a lot of people, yeah, just continuously and nothing's happening.
0: Talk about a Sisyphean task. There, yeah. it's an, It's not happening. So at that point... They pull back. They decide they're going to make a decision. What are we going to do about this? And their decision is to shut down. <laughs> well, <laughs> Colonel, you're right. So Colonel
1: Archibald shuts down operations temporarily until they can figure out how to get around this problem. So now it's it's autumn of 1804. And the Onslow Company pays Mr. Mosher, this may figure in later, but I think his name is Carl. I'm not sure because there's a there's a juicy little side story about Mr. Mosher. But they pay Mr. Mosher 80 pounds to run a water pump. And, you know, let's let's get him to get a mechanical pump, getting this water out of here. The water is pumped from the pit down to about 90 feet. And then the pump bursts. Right. Right. And it's autumn and so work is stopped for the year. Now this is gonna be a recurring theme with these folks.
0: Well this is what I call the I call this the triple bail. Yeah. You guys, they had to they had to they had to bail the water, which didn't work out. Yeah. Then they had to bail on the project because they needed to go back to their yeah. farms and yeah. bail their hay. Oh, that's for right. For autumn. Yeah. yeah, no no, you <laughs> so gotta bail, you, bail and bail. You, you,
1: <laughs> very nice. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. They, no, but they have to get back to their daily lives. Look, the the uh, you know the harvest has to be brought in. It's the fall. Winter's coming, so they got to get prepared for that. And keep in mind, this is early on. The War of eighteen twelve hadn't even happened yet. Mm-mm. So early on, at least they realize that there's got to be something down there. Who would do this? Who would build this monumental engineering feat for no reason? Yes. There's got to be something down there. so, yeah, they're, so
0: they're, they're more enticed than ever. They're, <coughs> they're hooked. D- yes, they're, they're defeated, hooked. but they have hope. Yes, they come they're back, back in work.
1: 1805 now.
0: Yes, they come back in 1805. They're going to dig a new shaft 14 feet southeast of the main shaft. Yes. They get the shaft all the way down to 110 feet, and it's dry. And it's only 14 feet away from the one that's filled up to just 30 feet below. And they're like, okay, so we're going to take a horizontal tunnel we're gonna go over into the main pit. I don't know why they thought they could do this and it wouldn't flood, since the main pit is filled with water. I, I, I'm still not getting the logic um, there. I think I, you know what? I think they maybe have thought that they could go underneath
1: it. That there might be a spring, a natural spring, right. uh, filling the tunnel somehow. The they didn't know what goes to do down. I mean, yes, but I think what they're thinking is that it's like rescuing a kitten in a wall. You can't, you know, go down the shaft it went down. You go into the side where you have more room to operate. And then you can easily kind of go in laterally and just see what's – Yeah,
0: but that's if there's no water. If it's, a whole, if it's a wall full of water and you come down – all right. Anyway. Wait, did did I'm you record saying, all that? Yes. Okay. I'm recording all of it. I'm just saying <laughs> if you dig horizontally into a pit that's filled all the way up with water, when you go through, you know what's going to happen? The water is going to pour into your new pit. Ah, which is exactly what happened.
1: Yes, That's well, what I'm ha- okay. This is what I think the thinking was: is that they hadn't actually recovered a chest yet. Okay, they just knew that this thing kept going. So I think the thinking was that there may have been a natural spring feeding the water going into
0: the existing pit. So what they're going to do? Drill. Yeah, you said that, but water goes down. I still don't understand. No, no, Okay, no. come under it. This... The, the natural springs just going to still fill up. Well, you don't know.
1: I think they're going to go past what they think is the stopping point and see what's below it. I think that's the, I think this is the, the, so they
0: think there's an earth, there's a roof. Yes, something original. Pit. Well, no, this is what's happening: is that there's levels that are plugged that's up. That's right. Okay, you're right. You're right. They, so they went down to 110 feet. Their problem was at 90. They yeah. Figure they go down 20. Yeah, that's more what feet I'm And go over. That's what I'm saying. The water problem will be above them. Yes. Okay. Perhaps. Okay. You know what?
1: Look, they, there's no other options. There's
0: no skin divers. There's no. Un, un, you know that's, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Unfortunately, they were wrong. Yes. They got. <laughs> they went horizontally yeah. over. The water flooded through. It burst through. The original. Yeah, I think they were lucky to get out of there. Into the nobody di- Nobody got almost hurt yet. died. People yeah. almost died. So, yeah. and it, which gets uh, to the legend, which we haven't mentioned yet, that- all- Seven must die. Seven must and, die. And here's another addendum again yeah. that somebody added. Yeah. All the oak trees must be felled. Must fall. Must yeah, fall before
1: whatever. the treasure is That's, recovered.
0: Supposedly all the oak trees on the island need to- need to fall and seven people must die we're not going to say how many have died as of today but we will tell you it was close on this one A couple. well this was bad on this i think there was
1: two guys down there in the pit that mm-hmm. barely escaped And and you know what? I did some research. I could not find an origin to that legend. It's just local lore. I I think just people talking. Somebody came up with a saying in the pub, and it sounded good, and it
0: stuck. That's what happened. The bottom line is this. That was the end of the Onslow Company. Yeah, they're done. Their funds are exhausted. They've given up. Only eight or nine years in, seven or eight years or something like that. They're done. Nothing else happens for 46 years.
1: Yes, from the summer of 1805... To 1845, when a new company is formed, the Truro Company. Boy, I hope I'm saying that right. But it's got an Anthony Vaughn, Dr. David Barnes Lynn's relative, I think he, he may be a
0: cousin or something. Anthony of, Vaughn, uh, yeah. Well, Smith is dead now, right? Uh, I think so, one yes. Of the, one of the first diggers is, is uh, not Smith, excuse me, McInnes, Daniel McInnes, the original discoverer yes. of the island is now passed away. Right. And so now it's Anthony Vaughn, and I believe John Smith is still alive. And yes, again, it's
1: 1845, Dr. David Barnes-Lenz. He's a relation to Simeon Linz. Yes. And John Gamel, he'll come up again. Adams Tupper, Robert Creelman, uh, manager is Jotham McCully. And this gentleman, the foreman, is James Pitblado.
0: Yes, James and Pitblado. not
1: only is his last name fun to say, but uh, he's kind of a character. He's a mysterious <laughs> yeah. character yeah. in yeah. the story. Yeah,
0: but that's the thing. Actually, his name is not James, it's John. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> no. has been published s- as James. Yeah,
1: I've seen him in a couple places. of sources as James. Yeah. You say it's John. Yes. Uh, but the most important thing is Pit Blado. Pit Blado. It's, just a, it's a great pirate name. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, so the company forms in 1845.
0: Actually name, he's actually got Pitt in his name.
1: He does. I always wonder about that, you know. Uh, there's a it's lot. Historical events with names. And Scott, there's like... a lot of the, what makes this story also confusing is that the, a lot of the first names are the same. There's a couple yes. of Dans. Yeah, Dans,
0: James, A couple Don's, of Johns. Dans. There's a couple
1: of, yeah, a couple of Dans. Yeah. Uh, actually, three. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, and there's a lot of family members that are involved. Yes. Uh, brothers. Yes. Not only modern Brothers, day, but, but multiple generations. Yes, people get into it's a family business, it's a family affair here. Uh, but in 1845, that's when the company is formed. But they actually don't do any work until 1849.
0: Yeah, I think that's doing what a lot of saying. planning and yes. getting coordinated.
1: Oh, and this is the first time Anthony Vaughn tells the facts of the Oak Island story as he knows them in his memory. Now, this is years later. You got to remember to Robert Creelman. Yes. So this is oral history. Uh, that 's happening, and so yeah, a lot of things aren 't going to be lining up exactly, but the main points are still there yes again, people are involved, and these aren 't bumpkins, okay, these are smart people now, engineers, civic leaders that have now come on board the sheriff these are community leaders, not just a bunch of guys digging in the dirt
0: you know with with poor educations well, that 's right, and the tro company makes a lot of super fascinating discoveries, and one of the things they do which a lot of companies wind up doing, is they drill neighboring shafts. And just like the Anzo company did before it folded, they drill a neighboring shaft, they go down, they try to tunnel over, it floods. I, I don't know how many times they did this. I know they did it at least once. <laughs> it <it's, laughs> might have done a few more times. Bottom line is they figured out if we go over there and we connect, it's going to fill up with water. Yeah. And somebody put two and two together and noticed that the water was rising and lowering with the tide.
1: Yes, and this indicates that there's water coming in from the ocean somehow. Somehow,
0: right. Yeah. So how's it getting in there? They don't know,
1: right? Well, there's, they, they suspect it's a channel. Now, your debunkers will say, like, well, this is a natural process. I say that the rate that it's happening is so fast that there seems to be a big conduit.
0: It's a direct route. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what's happening. So what happens next is Truro discovers that one of the beaches, Smith's Cove... Is actually artificial. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, they go down there and they're like, I wonder what's going on over here. I wonder if the water is coming in. From, in fact, you know how they discovered it? I think they yeah. went down, it was low tide, and somebody noticed that water was streaming out of the sand or something. Like a sponge.
1: It from was from the gushing. shore going yeah. down towards the ocean, yes. even
0: though the waves had retreated. It's expelling water, it's, like, it's what, breathing. Water's coming out of the island. Yeah. So they're like, oh, so we've got an issue here. So they decide they're going to excavate Smith's Cove. And they build, like, this giant coffer dam, which is a dam that you build to hold the ocean out. To keep the sea out while you it can dry, work. Yeah, dry so you can work in the cove and see what's happening. And during the course of doing this, they discover an elaborate stone drain system. They call it a drain in all the books and everything. For me, it's not a drain. It's like an inlet. For me, a drain is like in a bathtub. The water goes out. What's yeah. happening in this drain, it's draining the ocean into the pit. <laughs> it's not draining the other way. Well, the wa- I yeah. mean, it does drain the other way when the tide goes out. What they find is these five fingers, almost like a hand, and these stone tunnels that are four feet by two feet, I guess – Made with flat stones, built in a triptych kind of way, yes, like the, Stonehenge. Yes, the, the, the clay was removed. Right. They converge at a point. But again... They never this... got to the point of convergence, though. They couldn't find that. They just found because it's No, because it's, in, it's, it's
1: inland a bit. But this seems to be man-made because these five inlet drains are lined with beach stones and what they find is 6 to 7 inches deep of a matting of coconut fiber again and eelgrass over a 145 foot wide area from low to high water mark covering about 4 to 5 feet of beach rocks free of sand and gravel so
0: it's a perfect filter it's a filter that yeah, can't get this, clogged
1: and the coconut the coconut is acting as a filter and this is what's ingenious is that it's keeping out the debris from the ocean and on the beach and it still works.
0: Again, this is somebody's devious plan. Well, and this is the thing about the coconut. It doesn't corrode in the ocean. It right. doesn't decay. The eelgrass does. And in fact, the eelgrass was partially decayed. Yes, right. But the coconut was not. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we got a, we got a situation here. So they build the cofferdam. They were like, oh, we got to stop this drain. How are we going to stop this? The only problem is a gale came up. The storm washed away the cofferdam. Like so <laughs> they, had, they had enough time to sort of discover it and do a little bit of damage to it, but not enough to stop it. So then they decide okay, the, those five fingers, those inlets of water that were coming into the money pit, are all converging somewhere, and they're taking that water into the pit itself. We've got to find that main tunnel and stop it. Yeah, well, they notice it slopes
1: down towards the shore. Yes, so it's 22 it's degrees. Right, yes. it's going down. Which again, this is going
0: That's into steep, the by island. The way, I got yeah. a little thing in my jeep that tells me how <laughs> yeah. steep the hills. I'm 22 degrees is steep. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, they, they found. I mean, this is a lot of work. The clay was removed and replaced by beach stones. And under the rocks are eight inch wide drains of flat stones.
0: How do you even dig that kind of tunnel? How do you dig a tunnel four feet? Well, by they, two they, feet. you can't even stand up in it, and it's got stones in it. Yeah. And it's going way down underground yeah. to at least 110 feet to the pit. And it's three to 500 feet from the ocean.
1: And it's 500 feet at least from the money pit. And what they noticed when they were building their coffer dam are the remains of an old dam that was there. That's right. Yeah. So somebody had done this... Before them. Before them. Yes. At great laborious cost. Yes. And, and a lot of effort, and
0: obviously better than them because their thing was still in place, and the one they tried to do didn't yeah. work. <laughs>
1: well, no, because look, the uh, and this this theme recurs again and again: nature tearing away at anyone's success. That's right, and recovering it time and time again.
0: But but I just want to interrupt real quick. Nature was tearing away at the recovery, but nature obviously did not tear away at the installation. <laughs> well, I was just saying, when you get back to the yeah. paranormal event and they're like, what is down there? How important is this? I mean, is this a Gaia moment? Because well, it's like yeah. you're talking about they had the ability to build this thing that was nearly impossible to build. So impossible to build that people with technology that is several hundred years more advanced can't even check it out. Yeah.
1: To this day, yes. but that that's a, that also happens a lot. But as frustrated as the recovery parties are, they're also in admiration at the engineering genius. This thing's
0: very clever. Yeah, no, they realize they're not they're not dealing with rubes at this point. Like it <laughs> doesn't no matter just, how long yeah. before them they came. Yeah, this is a sophisticated situation. This is a sophisticated problem that is is beyond not only their first but their first, second, and third thoughts. Of how to of how to deal with this, so, you know, so it's, anyway, they they go and they try to find the main tunnel. They do find it. They they pull they find a pit. They pull it. There's a boulder. They pull the boulder out or destroy it or something. It floods with water, and they're like, okay, this is it. This is the main flood tunnel. They crib it with a bunch of wood. They put all this casing wood casing. and They're like, we've stopped the flood tunnel. I'm not even going to say the main tunnel. But we've stopped the flood tunnel. They go back to the pit. Still got water in it. Yeah, and they're like. Wait, wait, it's it's a little bit lower. It's like a foot lower. Like, wait, 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 wait. We thought we were going to get four gold stars and we only got one. You know, it's like, what is happening? And like, there must be a second tunnel. And so, you know what they did at that point? They folded. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, company, they're out of money. Yeah, yeah, company number two is like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, and, and so that's it. So Truro's dissolved, 1851, right. gone. Yeah. All they found out was that there was flooding, and they tried to stop flooding, and they couldn't stop it, and that was the end of it. They
1: were very resourceful in that they drove timbers down into you to know, try and block this water coming in at
0: the, at the places that they thought it was. And they did. They blocked the t- they, one tunnel well, more than a likely. little bit, yes, yeah. but it kept coming in. And so this is the thing. The True Company, now they're gone, but they did learn some really valuable stuff. They learned that there was a flood tunnel or a drain tunnel as everyone calls it. And again, I have a problem with that being a drain because it's not draining. It's filling. But – and then there's probably a second flood tunnel. These tunnels are flowing at over 600 gallons per minute into yeah. the pit. Oh, is that the... Yeah, that's yes. a rate. 600 gallons per minute. And then they're four feet by two feet, and they are clearly man-made. Yeah. Right, which they figured all this out before their coffer dam was overtaken by Mother Nature. Right. So, Oh, another
1: little interesting tidbit here, which fuels the story, is that as the cribbing and the tools in the main pit collapse, water breaks in, it's rushing in, the sole worker who was underground there in the new shaft... Manages to grab, what looks like a painted wooden dish. So now the point being is that it's another little clue that something is down there. Right,
0: they right keep... before catastrophic failure. Yeah, again,
1: yes, perfectly. Yes, keeps things. Happening. Things are down there, and this is going to happen again and again. This points to something
0: being down there. What is down there? And one of the things that I thought was really fascinating about the way that the money pit floods was that uh, Darcy O'Connor, who wrote the book, The Secret Treasure of Oak Island, says, you have to think when you think about why is this tunnel flooding like this? Remember when they went back through the oak platforms and they found the putty? What's what's the putty there for? And it's like, guess what? This is a hydraulic seal. This thing is a valve. All right. You
1: know what it's like, Scott? And this has been described, I think, in his book. Yes. When you put your thumb over the end of a straw, you put it into a glass of water. Exactly. There's no water in it. And then take your thumb off.
0: Now the pressure is released. The water shoots up. Yes. They inadvertently released They uncorked trap. it. They uncorked <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. When they took the platforms out, when they took the platforms out that were sealed with putty, it was exactly what the designer intended. It's like, you know what? You come down here, you know what's going to happen? We're going to give you the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Here's cool. the ocean. Yeah. Good luck bailing it out.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. But that makes me think of what's actually down there, because if the design was to possibly flood the tunnel...
0: Yes, it does. It does. That's a good point. It's like, why, why are you flooding this? So far, the message you're sending is that this is irretrievable, or that you want it to be irretrievable for hundreds of years until technology exists that you haven't even conceived of, if you're the designer, well, right? those who are worthy of yeah. the treasure. Well, there you go. <laughs> and we'll right. get to that. Yeah. So, now, so now, company number three is formed in 1861, the Oak Island Association... Now, at this point, one Mr. Anthony Graves has managed to acquire most of the island. Now, Anthony Graves is an interesting character, and, and when he passes away, his descendants wind up more or less in a, in a land war over the island as, as time goes on. We're only in 1861 now, but uh, he, he owns most of the island. Now, the money pit has collapsed almost entirely. It's completely caved in. And during the point for the Oak Island Association, during the point at which it collapsed, they were working in it, I should say. When it collapsed, there, some wood came up that they were managed to retrieve that was clearly wood, not from the casing or any of the work that they had done. It was a, a, a dark wood that had clearly been cut and and hewn. I don't particularly like that word, but apparently the wood had been hewn. <laughs> <Here>. and, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's been worked over by humans. Yes, That's it, was human it was definitely human wood. It's not natural erosion. Exactly. Sure. And it was not the same kind of wood that they were using. So one of the conclusions that the Oak Island Association made when the money pit collapsed was that there was some kind of probably pretty large cavity at the bottom of the pit. They felt like things fell down into a cavity. And one of the other things that happened was they, they brought in a, a pump with a boiler, and this was the first death in 1861. Some – a gentleman who remains unnamed. Yeah, they it's don't – It's unknown on yes, a memorial. right was burned to death by the boiler,
1: yeah, and several people were badly injured, scalded. This is live steam, and it's uh yeah it kills you real quick, so the island claims its first fatality that's right yes, the first of
0: and not the last unfortunately, yeah, and not the last and and that company closes new company eighteen sixty five Oak island contract company all right now at this point that this opens, this is when the stone the original stone that was found. At the ninety-foot level is now taken from uh, John Smith's house to attract shareholders to invest. It's taken over to Halifax, which we mentioned earlier. That company only lasted a year. Oh yeah, so they I, they failed to they failed to attract investors. The Oak Island Association. The Oak Island no, excuse me. The Oak Island Contract Company failed to attract investors, even with the stone and in, moved into town, eighteen sixty-six. New company. <laughs> yeah. Oak Island El Dorado Company. Yeah, with. You know, El
1: Dorado, the fabled Yes. City of Gold. That's right. In the Americas.
0: Now and so now we're in eighteen sixty six. Their plan was to build a giant dam in Smith's Cove, a big coffer dam. They're gonna go way out, they're really gonna explore taking out the drainage system that's that's flooding the tunnel. So they build this huge dam and a storm destroys it before they can even really get much done. Yeah, so, it makes you in awe of the power of the ocean and nature yes. to just wipe away whatever man has done. And also the original plan. Yes. So now it's 1867, El Dorado Company folds. We are 72 years into this project. There have been 11 shafts, two cofferdams, and over $2 million spent. And now there's a 26-year break. <laughs> okay, so we're at 1866, right? Seven. Okay. That's as far as we can go with tonight's episode. I think it's it's you know Scott we, is
1: about to pass out. Well, as, as, I think I pass out about twenty minutes. Well, ago.
0: Well, we've almost covered the first hundred years here, and we've covered some of the significant discoveries. The Truro Company was one of the more significant companies. And here is the thing: I started out counting the companies when we were doing the research. Yeah. I made a list, <laughs> right? And long about the seventh one, I stopped. Yeah, they were opening and closing like like flies on a beach. Well, you know, it's just it, it like takes crazy. a
1: lot of money. And as much hope as they were getting with the little bits that they would find, like, you know, man-hewn timbers, bits of china, whatever it was, they would eventually run into more disaster. You know, I mean, uh, nature kind of like destroying what they had made, water specifically being the biggest enemy. Yes. And uh, they'd run out of money and they'd have to kind of close. And and not many people were very interested in investing
0: in their venture anymore. Well, it takes a certain kind of person to invest in a treasure hunt in the first place. It's a long shot and they all know it. If you're not an adventurer and you don't have a ton of money laying around, it's not something you're likely to get into. And in this particular case, not only do you have to be predisposed to all of that – there's also locals, even if they are wealthy, who are afraid of the island. They're afraid of the stories. They're afraid of the superstition. The bottom line is this. If we look at the sum up, the first part of this show on Oak Island, we got these boys discovering this island in 1795. They dig down to 30 feet as far as they can go on their own. They come back eight years later with because it takes them that long to convince anybody to help them with a company that's going to help them dig further. That company helps them dig down to 90 or so feet. They find the stone with a cryptic inscription on it. They they take the stone up. The inscription may be lost to the ages or the one that we have now may be bogus or if it's real, it's got a very easily decipherable code on it, we're we're not sure, and there's a second interpretation of that that we'll get to in a later part of the series. But they, they pull the stone up and then they, they, do it. they send down a probe and they're like, oh, we're almost there because they find something unusual just below the next platform. They leave. They come back the next day. The hole is filled with water. They're like, what? They try to bail the water. They can't bail it. They drill another shaft next to it. That shaft floods. They close down. Another company comes in. We're going to figure this out. They can't figure it out. So then they're like, oh, the water's coming in from somewhere else. They decide they're going to go down to the beach. The beach is artificial. They dredge the beach out. They build a cofferdam and it's like, oh my god, there's a drain system. It's flooding the tunnel. We've got to stop this drain system. They can't do it. The cofferdam fails. The Mother Nature destroys the cofferdam. So then The next thing they do is they say, okay, we're going to block this drain tunnel. They try to block the drain tunnel. They successfully think they've blocked it. They go back to the money pit, and the water is still coming in. And they're like, okay, there must be a second tunnel. And they're not sure where that is. And it just goes on and on and on. They they can't quite get to the bottom of it. All these companies come and go. And this is what happens the first 72 years of this project. And everyone was so confident they were just a few feet from the treasure. Remember to visit AstonishingLegends.com and take our very short survey for a chance to win a free hat. We'd like to thank Web Wizards for the original design and continued maintenance on our website. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design by Ryan McCullough. Thanks to Jim Creative Design for our logo.
1: Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at AstonishingLegends.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night. Thank you.